Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. Today's episode is brought to you by 10,000. Go to 10,000.cc. That's T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D.cc. Use the code Maximus15. Get yourself some of the best workout clothes a man can have. Also, check out Lalo.com, L-A-L-O.com, home of the Maximus Grinder, the absolute best workout shoe on the market. Um, the grinders, the Bloodbirds, uh, everything else that these guys carry are top-notch. Make sure you check them out. Use the code Maximus50. Um, now that that has been said, uh, we want to bring you part two of our conversation with Akshay Nanavati. If you missed part one, just go back an episode and there it will be. Catch up. And here is part two. So you uh, you end up doing all this stuff. Now, the death wish continued because you decided to come and try to learn with me. Yeah. Yes. What, uh, what, <laughs> what, what, what brought you? that on? <laughs> oh, yeah. Why? Why? I mean, I'm, I'm just happy that my name can be mentioned in the same breath as the Dalai Lama. This is like the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever happened to me. But, um, what, what, what brought that upon? You know, I was, uh, uh, obviously terrified of coming to train with you, Bobby, and with Jim Jones, I knew about the ethos of suffering. And, and as you know, I wasn't like extremely fit, uh, at the time, like I was a runner, but not super fit in terms of the sort of in the gym. Uh, but I wanted to test myself and this was a kind of new avenue to do that. Uh, I had been obviously training at this point. It was pretty, pretty good as a runner had started. I mean, I think, I think at the time when we first started, I had gotten into ultra running at the level that uh, like, yeah, I definitely hadn't gotten into the level I am now, but, um, it really was an exploring one more avenue to test myself. I mean, fitness was without a doubt my salvation, you know, running and training and, and kind of doing all these things like climbing mountains and all these were my salvation. And so I forget how I, I think I stumbled into Jim Jones through, through the 300 movie, you know, and, and you all trained the 300 actors and stumbled into Jim Jones and then, uh, came and, and trained with you, did seminar one, seminar two, uh, suffered horribly. I still remember doing the, the one, one minute all on the air dine. And I sort of didn't hit the calculation that, you know, you, you did on seminar one and I had to go back for the second minute and I like fell off the air dine. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> truth be told, I only did that to you because at the time I didn't like skinny people. <laughs> um, now, obviously, I'm I'm not with Jim Jones anymore. Yeah. I left a long time ago. Took my stuff elsewhere, but we've continued to yeah. work together to a various degree. Um, you've been to my gym. We've trained. We've we've stayed in touch. And one of the big things with our podcast is using the physical as a vehicle to make every other part of your life better and to enrich yeah. other parts of your life. And that's something that's obviously a big part of what you do. I mean, the last time you Absolutely. were here you were taken off to run across Liberia. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, so, uh, as you said, when you left Jones, I kind of followed you. And one, one thing I want to sort of say about that is what I love about you, uh, Bobby, which I take a lot from, and I mean, I consider kind of you my fitness mentor, but it really inspired a lot of what I do is the willingness to suffer, but also the compassion. Like you push people hard in the gym, but you have compassion. And that's like, I think that's a beautiful combination. And, and, uh, and I learned a lot from that in terms of what I do as well, in terms of how I train, look at view myself and also how I, you know, push others. And, uh, and that's kind of, and that's led to a lot of what I do. And so after we met in Salt Lake, you know, uh, what, what I was doing and, and using my fitness as a, and my, my thing that I love running as a vehicle for compassion as well. So what I did was I went to Liberia to run 167 miles across the country. It was just under a marathon a day for a week. 
And this was in post-war Liberia. The country has gone through all kinds of hell from brutal civil war to Ebola virus to poverty. And so I went out there to do this run to raise funds to build the first sustainable school in post-war Liberia and then follow that up by two weeks of humanitarian work. And uh, we filmed a documentary out there. And I mean, it was just a very, very profound experience. In fact, I got so close to my cameraman who was filming this run that after the like while running, he, he told me about his five-year-old son that had this debilitating car condition that could have like killed him at any time and we got so close that after the run through my foundation my fear the fear of honor foundation we sponsored him his, his son and his wife his family to come stay with me and my family in india and his, his son had a life-saving heart surgery it was just like the whole thing was just a very very profound very powerful experience and now his son's back in liberia playing soccer like you know completely healed it's it was really beautiful it was a really really incredible experience wow. Yeah, it was very cool. And the run itself was awesome as well. I mean, running across the country, marathon a day, like, you know, you hit the highs and the lows of that, of, of that you pushing yourself at that level. And there was one, one particular day that I'll actually share because there's really cool lessons in it in terms of everything we're talking about actually like confronting the darkness. So it was about day five, day four, day five of the run. And I had, it was about 17 miles into the run. And for something like I, something just this, I was at mid run. I had this aching pain in my shin. My right shin just hit like it, like knocked me off my feet and uh, just aching pain. And I stopped, I was trying to massage it, took off my shoe, trying to put some like cream on it and really trying to really make it go away. And it wasn't going away, but I had to hit my mileage for the day. So I started limping for a little bit, limping for about a mile Mm -hmm. and a half and slowly started jogging. And after jogging for a little bit, I just started booking it like sprinting. And the whole time I'm sprinting, the voice in my head is saying things like, remember, Neil, that should have been you. You should have died out in the war. You mm-hmm. have no right, to, no right to bitch now. Suck it up. Earn this life. Look at what's around you. People are suffering. People are dying. If you quit now, you deserve a coward's death. And really kind of saying these really dark things to myself about how I should have died in the war and it should have been you. So suck it up and earn this. And ultimately, that five miles was the fastest five miles I ran that entire 167 miles across the country. And the point of that is when you when you develop a positive relationship to the demons, to the darkness, you can ultimately use them. You can access them at will. And I'm not saying I always talk to myself like that. Right. By no means do I always talk to myself like that. Other times, you know, it's very positive and empowering. But the point is you now have this toolkit, this armory to access both the darkness and the light at will. And uh, and that's, I think, a very powerful very powerful tool. And in fact, in the darkness retreat, like in the darkness, I saw that in a very visceral way. You actually see lights in the darkness because your brain starts to release DMT, which yeah. is called the, the primary ingredient in ayahuasca. So like day five of the darkness retreat, I saw this blinding white light, like blindingly bright. I mean, I literally was touching my eyelids because I couldn't tell if my eyes were open or closed anymore. And I felt like I need an eye mask to sleep. And it was like it was to this day the brightest white light I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm in a pitch dark room. You know, so symbolically to me, and obviously there's the literal manifestation of that, but symbolically it's kind of like the darkness and light can coexist as one, you know? Hmm. Wow. So that's that's interesting to me, and, and I'm sure you heard it in the background, Joe, our executive producer, Babu, <laughs> was playing that ridiculous kid's music in her ear. It's the juxtaposition of like mm-hmm. this podcast on the one hand seems really dark to me. Um, like you've been through a lot. Uh, enough for 20 lifetimes it it seems Um, but at the same time it's not really dark at all because it's super uplifting so I feel like in the stuff you do and especially with uh, Firvana there's a whole duality at nature there almost like a like a yin and a yang feel if you will 
Yeah, very much so. It's like these two seemingly contradictory ideas, right? Fear is often framed as the opposite. Of, uh, like, I, I hate it when people say there's only two ways of being, fear and love, as if they're somehow opposites. So I like to right. say, like, fear is not the enemy of love. Fear is an expression of love. And if you view it as such, fear can be one of the most profound expressions of love. You know, so everything, like, there's all these dualities in life, like ego, humility, contentment, discontentment, darkness, light, you know, life and death. And often we frame one side of the duality as something negative, but it's not. Every, like, even ego and humility, for example, is you need ego. Like Muhammad Ali used to say, I'm the greatest. Tom Brady, when he was selected for the Patriots, said, I'm the greatest decision this organization's ever made. You know, so like ego is good when exercised correctly. Same thing with darkness. Same thing with discontentment. And I quote you, Bobby, in my book, right, that uh, like contentment is the death of mastery, that discontentment can be fuel, you know, and I mean, even death. Like I think to this, like now I have a healthy fear of death that I did not have when I went to Iraq. So I think the fear of death is something deeply profound. Like I have a poster up on my wall actually right now next to me. And it says it's actually I mean, it's very intense. Again, it's the picture of the tombstone of my friend, Neil, and above and under it, it says you will die soon. So the healthy reminder of the fear of death, I think, is a deeply profound awakening to life. So exploring both edges of the dualities and kind of finding the oneness of all dualities is where you find the next spiritual awakening. And I believe the access point to kind of enlightenment itself. All right. So uh, another question, Joe, and I got to feel I, I feel like I need a clever way to word this. Right. So we we kind of established that you didn't have a death wish and you were over the death wish. But yeah. then you go to Liberia. And I think you told us that Liberia was filled with war and Ebola. So <laughs> I you, you like you like danger. What's your next thing? Are you going to like find a girl with a 19 COVID to make up with? Is that your, is that your like, gauge test? Or like what's, what's, uh, awesome. what's, what's the next thing for you? He's, he's, he's going to step outside his house. Oh, my God. <laughs> so so what's what's next for you? But also I do want to talk about what like current events. What's your view on yeah. what's shaping the nation right now? Because you've been through hell and back. Yeah. Are you – and and you spent seven days in darkness. People are yeah. freaking out. You can hear our executive producer in the background with his kids music. He's loving life right now because he's yeah. got his parents locked down every day with them. So you can annoy them with this damn kids music. But um, this is just part of the show. She'll get, get used to it. Uh, we got we got the kids on here all the time. But I guess you spent seven days in darkness. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on people freaking out over having to spend I don't know, a couple of days inside. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I read one article about saying how like people are going to get PTSD from being quarantined. And I'm like, come on, man. Like that to me is absolutely absurd. We have electricity, we have power, we have food, we have water. You know, we have freaking Netflix. Like, let's get some perspective on the situation now. Now, with that said, I want to qualify by saying that, like, I get some people are going through real shit, like losing jobs, losing people we love. Like, that's some real stuff. And like, I have friends who lost businesses that they've been working on for 15 years. And that's hard. That's really, really hard. There's no doubt about that. I'm not saying no. But for those of us who are just a little quarantined at home. It's kind of like, I mean, get a little bit of perspective. Now, also at the same time, I understand that, you know, you can't, we all do the best we can with our level of awareness and ability. So it's a change. Change is scary. This is a situation like anything that warrants a healthy degree of fear. It's a healthy degree of fear that's going to keep us from doing dumb shit. And we're seeing a lot of people do dumb shit like Corona parties. We had somebody here in Jersey do a Corona party. And then like, I think the guy who did that got coronavirus, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like a healthy degree of fear is not a bad thing, but like anything, it's it, we, most of us are not trained to handle fear. 
fear. So we react to fear instead of responding to fear. So we panic by toilet paper. We do things <laughs> without knowing how to how to respond. And and I, and I like from from a certain degree, I kind of get it because most people are not trained in that. So how do you train in that? For one, you just, I mean, it sounds very basic and very simple, but you kind of pause. Like there is a space between the fear and how you respond to the fear. Like I mentioned, you know, reaching out to Dalai Lama, there was doubt, there was fear. Now I could let that doubt consume me. And most of us do this. We become our emotions. So when I've worked with people with mental health issues, they will say things like, I have depression. I am depressed. Instead of my brain goes through a state of depression from time to time, but I am not my brain and my brain is not me. So the point being sort of the neuroscience of fear, we don't control when fear shows up. Like our brain responds to the external stimuli without our control. There's been plenty of research, neuroscience, spirituality have both shown we don't control what first shows up in our brain. Like right now, if I'm sitting in this room and somebody comes into this room with a gun, my brain's going to respond with fear. I'm not choosing to respond that way. My brain responds. Now, what I ha- what I get to do, what my choice is, what I do with that fear. And now, again, most people in our, in our world, they just react. So there's no space between the emotion and the conscious choice. But Victor Frankel puts this profoundly. This quote to me summarizes the essence of how to respond, whether it be coronavirus or any kind of fear. He says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space lies our power to choose our response, and in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So in the stimulus of fear, like if we don't control that response, that's that our subconscious chooses that, like, and it, you know, it responds to external stimuli. But between that fear and how we choose to respond, there is a space. And what we do in that space will shape our destiny. So right now, it, like any situation, you know, in the coronavirus, how do we handle it? Instead of reacting to the fear, pause. How, like, what am I scared of? Why am I afraid? What's the worst case scenario? How do I prepare for the worst case scenario? Gather the intel. And I always like to say fear propels you to prepare. So if you engage the fear, you can use it to prepare, to understand. And and fear is a good thing. You know, like, I mean, I was terrified of skiing across Greenland. So I understood what are the fears. So I trained for it. I used to drag tires around the streets of New Jersey to train for Greenland. You know, even writing a book on fear, I was terrified of writing a terrible book that, you know, I might get a one-star review on Amazon and all that kind of stuff. So I engaged the fear. I was like, okay, because I'm scared of writing a bad book, what can I do to write a good book? So I studied from authors like Jack Canfield, the chicken soup of the soul author on how to write a better book. And ultimately I wrote a book that now I'm damn proud of and one that's worthy of being endorsed by the Dalai Lama. And now I can humbly say is making an impact, you know? So my fear led me to write a better book. If I was not scared, I would not care. So same thing today, engage the fear, understand the fear. And the biggest thing with the coronavirus also is because now there's so much uncertainty. We're confronted with a great deal of uncertainty. And so we don't know what to do with that. Before this, we lived in a world where we pretty much knew how every day is going to play out. Now we don't. And there's there's something beautiful about that if you engage it. Now, again, nobody would wish this to happen. I'm not saying that, like, but it's here whether we like it or not. So now it's on us to make meaning and create something beautiful out of this adversity. So when we don't know, when we have uncertainty, our world becomes reduced to the next step in front of us. And that's the same reason why I love skiing across ice caps and climbing mountains is the uncertainty. And you are, you are forced to exercise greater control over your world and it, like the kind of the, the few inches in front of your face. So there's something deeply profound about that. It creates presence. It creates like, a, you know, a deeper understanding. It forces you to exercise the muscle of control. And not to mention, suffering brings us together. Bobby, you say this, and I absolutely love a family that suffers together stays together. So in the military, when we suffer together, there's a camaraderie that forms. So just like in war that brings out the best and the worst of humanity, in this moment, in this suffering, this adversity that humanity as a 
whole is experiencing. We are already seeing that the worst people doing really scummy things and, and the best. So moments of great adversity have tremendous power to kind of bring out the nobility and the, the heroism of humanity. And it's on us to bring that out. So again, nobody would wish it, but it's here and something profound can come from it if we choose to, if we choose to allow that to happen. Remind me to send you, I saw a meme yesterday, Joe, I meant to send it to you. I might've the Joker speech talking about how when the chips are down, people behave really poorly. Do you remember that one? Oh, I remember someone speech, yeah. put, someone put that together with clips of like empty store shelves and people fighting over toilet paper. I've never laughed so hard in my life. Um, I, I also want to say, I love how you casually just drop that you skied across Greenland. It's like I tell Joe, hey, Joe, I was in the grocery store yesterday. You're like, yeah, when I skied across Greenland, it's like, what the hell? Um, one, of the, one of the things I'd say with you, Akshay, that I really respect and I admire, um, you know how everyone talks about their superpower that they have? It was a thing for a while in psychology. Like, what's your superpower? It seems to me that you're superpowers the ability to adapt seems that you're you're pretty good at dealing with any situation whether it's the military or or a run across liberia i know that wasn't easy skiing yeah. across greenland there had to be some adaptation there Absolutely. living in the well of darkness um or the pool of shadows or wherever you went for seven <laughs> yeah. days um, what what are like ways you could help people are there any tricks to adapting that people listening to this at home could use? Because I, I just, I just figured it out. Like Joe, we talk about doing the podcast every day. You and I, you and I have just figured out a way to do it. Yeah. And there could have been a million reasons why we didn't do the podcast every day. We just figured it out. If the kids are around, fuck it, they'll yeah. be part of the podcast. Yeah. If, we do a 20-minute one fine, an hour one, and I find a lot of people – and I bring the podcast example up because a lot of people need to be in a little studio. It needs to be perfectly yeah. recorded yeah. Yeah, for months. They need to have the right thing, and they never – Joe, how many people have you talked to that want to have a podcast but think of a million reasons why they shouldn't have Oh, pretty much everybody who wants to have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. We've never got a complaint from from uh, of JoJo or or Babu being in the background. Like it's not a big deal. Adapt, yeah. and it's what we do. Um, but from someone who's who's dealt with extreme adaptation, what are some tips you can give people? To, is it like go with the flow? Like what, what's the what's the secret? Yeah, um, one of the fundamental principles is something I call going. So something like going meta. So the word meta means kind of rising above the thing to look at the thing. So if I had to say meta learning, it's learning how to learn. Meta awareness is being aware of our awareness. So the principle of meta adaptation is how you learn to adapt. And so I explain what I mean by that. Meta adaptation means looking, going into voluntarily going into different environments and looking at patterns that you can choose to rep from a certain environment that you can then look at and replicate that pattern in other environments. So for example, one of the re reasons why I love the military and uh, among many, but one of the reasons why I love the military and kind of found peace even in war in Iraq was the immense structure. Like you don't have to think, you just follow orders. You do what you do. It's a sign every morning. You know, sometimes you're out for multiple days, but you do a brief, you go on a mission. All that matters is the men in the mission. Nobody gives a shit about how good you feel when you're in Iraq. And there's something beautiful about living for something greater than yourself. And, uh, and then you come back and you do a debrief. So, okay, looking at that experience, I can, I can analyze the experience at a meta level going above the experience to look at it understand it 
pull out the patterns from it, pull out what worked from it, and replicate that in other areas of my life. So now I operate my life the exact same way. I have a debrief that I do every day, every night. I brief myself every morning. I follow the a simple structure. I live by like systematized like in insane amounts. And I mean, I'm not like a perfect human being about it by any stretch of the imagination, but systematize my life. So now there's structure. So I pulled from an experience that I learned from and then replicated the patterns in another experience. So I have a note on my phone that says relentlessly think in the meta. So in fact, I have a board right next to me that says meta adaptations, characteristics of meta adaptation. How do you, how do you look at like patterns for meta meta adaptation and literally sitting right next to me on this board. So always looking at different environments and you can do this within yourself or from others. Okay. If I study others, let's say I'm like, want to write a book, want to build a business, want to get into fitness. I study people who are doing that, look at what they're doing, but not just what they're doing and how they're doing it, but what is their mindset? How do they think? Why are they thinking that way? And then you, you meta adapt and you bring those patterns and replicate it. And, and that's how you ultimately can find, like create the ability to adapt in various scenarios without letting the external circumstance break you. But fundamentally, I mean, you can get all the intel in the world. Like you can hear this podcast, you can read a book, you know, you can get the insights and that's great. They can provide a spark, but the, like at the end of it, you have to get out there. Like you got to put yourself in other environments. You got to be uncomfortable. You got to suffer. You got to struggle because the greatest lessons are in the doing, right? So you got to go out there go into those environments, take the lesson from it. So the key thing is don't just go in the environment and kind of just, you know, like be in it fully and not reflect on it. So the part of the, the part of the value is when you go out there and stretch yourself and suffer and, and engage discomfort, come back and reflect on, it. come back and reflect. What did I learn from it? What did I get from it? What are the lessons from it? And then you can replicate those lessons in other areas. And that's how I've kind of, uh, and same thing, like when I skied across Greenland, you know, same thing, create structure, same thing, running across Liberia. So like right now, when I was in Norway, I took lessons from that and then pulled it back into, into my life today. So constantly pushing yourself and then stretching and reflecting. So kind of this pattern of stretch and reflect and then replicating the patterns in all areas. And ultimately you develop an ability to adapt no matter what the world is at you, whether it's like coronavirus or anything, you know? Well, do you think, do you think this, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to call it a trial by fire because I think this is a joke. Like I think and, – and again, I'm with you, Akshay, in that if you've lost your job and you're scared about losing your house, that's no joke. I get that. Yeah. But there are people who are, be paying, who are being paid a full salary and being stuck at home is the yeah. worst thing that ever <laughs> happened to them. That's, that's what I mean. That's a joke. Like yeah. you're getting – a, a 30 day paid vacation to be at home. It's yeah. not that hard to suck it's it up. Really not. You, you know what I mean? And yeah. like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to make light of if you're losing your job and you're yeah. going to not have a roof over your head, fucking right. You need to be scared and you can't yeah. go get another job right now. Like yeah. I get that. It's the other stuff that gets me, but do you think people are going to come out of this better? Do you think we're going to see like a changed uh, sense of humanity or like a, greater self-awareness or do you think this yeah. is just going to suck us down more you know the the uh, the idealistic part of me always uh, obviously wants to say yes that will come out stronger but like every like if i think collectively we've un unfortunately we've become a very soft culture and we view any kind of adversity as something that is going to make us weaker we've created the self-fulfilling prophecy that any i mean we deem like shit when trump got elected people in college were going like taking time of college to go to see a therapist because yeah. this was trump i mean like whatever you feel about trump is not the point here like like 
like this is more you know it's insane that this becomes this traumatic experience and like we have we have just become so soft as a culture and there's so many factors to this like instant gratification world we live in a world of like the you know the, the, the sort of the social media world where that, that we, we get what we want instantly we we also live in a world that is constantly looking for the easiest way out right you know this in the fitness world there's these ads on tv saying you can walk 14 minutes a day and and look super fit and it's garbage we all three of us know that like yeah. you're not walk 14 minutes a day and do shit but the, and that also the point is it's missing the whole point like the goal ultimately is not the six-pack abs it's not the million dollars it's not the house it's not the car it's the person we become through the transformation right it's the suffering but we live in a world that's constantly saying i want to get to the other side of this problem i want to get easy no matter what the problem is like see here's the thing before coronavirus happened all of us had problems after coronavirus is done all of us will still have problems mm -hmm. fundamentally the problem is that we approach a problem with the desire to look to the other side of that problem and that's the real problem like i always like to say progress is not the elimination of problems progress is the creation of new problems so we have to fall in love with the experience of engaging problems and finding solutions because that's where the awakenings lie that's where the insights lie so as much as i like to think that we'd come out stronger um I'm, I, I, you know, I'm somewhat skeptical. Like, I think we need to, that, and that's really what I'm trying to do with Firvana is reframe our relationship to trauma. And one quick, like, great example of this. So there's this tribe in Brazil. Uh, I want to I share the story because it just occurred to me because I think it's a really powerful story. Uh, like, what they do is when, when a boy turns 12, between 12 and 16, they make the boy wear a glove filled with bullet ants, like multiple times between 12 and 16. And these bullet ants have the highest pain rating according to the Schmidt pain index. So they call bullet ants because people say being bit by this ant feels like being shot with a gun, hence bullet ants. And they have to wear a glove for like 10 minutes, multiple times in these four years, filled with bullet ants. And it's obviously a horrifically painful experience. Now, the leader of this tribe has this very profound quote where he basically says, I can't remember the exact quote, but something along the lines of, of like we need suffering suffering is a good thing and that's how we grow right he, he, he specifically quotes like cites the beauty of suffering and now imagine if we did that to kids in america like i'm not saying we should but for anybody listening like i'm not condoning it but my point is we would not only go to jail for ch child abuse like that kid the frame or that would that would be set for that kid is he's traumatized for life yeah. in brazil that that's not the frame this is a normal part of life so our paradigm for how we view any kind of suffering is deeply flawed in a world that looks for the antithesis of suffering and and, and uh, again and, and the, the core of it is even if you look at like america what do we view in the constitution is the pursuit of happiness the goal is the pursuit of happiness and that itself is where the flaw lies like we live in a world that says we should pursue happiness so when you set the paradigm that the pursuit of happiness is what we are looking for then suffering and struggle becomes a barrier to that suffering is an suffering is an obstacle to happiness but if instead we pursue meaning we pursue a worthy struggle, then suffering becomes a part of that adventure. It becomes something meaningful to contribute to that, not a barrier to it. And so at the very core level, like, I mean, it's in our, whatever the constitution or the bill of rights, whatever, whichever one it is that, you know, we live in a world looking for the pursuit of happiness. And that itself is a flawed concept. That's where it all starts. I, I like it. Hold up a sec. You guys one sec. Yeah. Hey, Babu, come here. Dad's got a special glove for you to wear. <laughs> <laughs> come here. Come here, buddy. We're going to toughen you up, son. Where, where, okay. Where can I get some bullet ants? Because I want to do this to my kids. And then number two, um, you've done this, haven't you? <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like this story you're speaking from personal experience. So <laughs> if only, I had, if only I had kids. Once that happens, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm moving I mean, still temporarily so I don't get arrested for that. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, on yourself. 
Have you, have you <laughs> not yet tried? God knows I would. Like I, I imagine it'd be a horrifically painful experience. But like I, I would not. I like if I go to this tribe in Brazil, I would most definitely do it. <laughs> yeah. Joe, it it seems like from everything you've said, this is kind of up your alley. I'm not trying to make light of it. It just seems like I'm actually. I've, I just found the video here on YouTube. This is a real thing. These guys are. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's awesome <laughs> it's there's a video exactly about it and you'll see the quote the, the tribe is called the satari satari maori tribe something like that yeah. and uh, i have it written i actually wrote this whole art thing on trauma and it, like kind of my whole point on how we reframe it and i can't remember the exact quote but he has that quote about he talks about why we need uh to engage suffering and i could not right. agree. <laughs> so so my next question is, and, and we could probably end the podcast on this. This has been great, by the way, incredible. What's your next thing? Like, what's what's the next thing you want to do? Because you've done all these incredible things. Is it another book? Is it is it um, living in the jungle for 180 days? Is it diving to the bottom of the Marianas Trench? Is it are you riding a rocket to Mars with Elon Musk? Like, what, what's the what's the thing you're going to do? Yeah, so a few things. I mean, I want to continue pursuing adventures. Some of the next ones are, again, assuming sort of the world doesn't collapse and zombies don't take over right now, is uh, I do plan on skiing across the Patagonian ice cap in November. I want to go to the North Pole and South Pole next year. I have some other big polar expeditions that I want to do in Antarctica. I want to get back into mountaineering the Himalayas. Uh, I'm definitely going to do more ultra marathons. Uh, I'm planning on, think, on doing a 100K or 100 miler in India to, again, as a humanitarian effort to raise funds for a charity. So those are kind of in the adventure category in the in the writing category in fact my next book i want to write completely in the darkness so i eventually i'm going to go into the darkness for like a month and write my next book in there um because i I was journaling in the dark and i was and and like the stuff that came through was very profound so as a result of that it inspired me to say that whenever i do write my next book i'm going to write it completely in the darkness because it's really wild what shows up so that's another thing that i want to do um and then also the big thing is kind of my big fear now is building out this kind of fear empire so getting into the tech startups space getting growing is a in i mean i am an entrepreneur you know i built a relatively successful business but um I like taking it to the level where like right now, kind of what I'm doing now with Fearvana is like what Richard Branson has built with Virgin, you know, this Virgin empire and multiple different verticals. I want to build with Fearvana, but unlike Virgin, I'm not looking to get into sort of mobile or airline or anything like that, kind of staying in the space of uh, mastery over the self, mastery over mind, body, spirit. And so we're creating like a Fearvana Academy, Fearvana Fitness, which Bobby, I've told you a little bit about that, creating a Fearvana festivals, Fearvana retreats, you know, Fearvana foods, the supplement line, Fearvana clothing line. Uh, I have my own nonprofit called the Fearvana Foundation. So really building this whole ecosystem around this concept and the big one we're getting into into kind of in the tech startup world is creating like a a virtual platform that interacts with the real world so in in like looking at how virtual reality trans reality augmented reality can like engage these two worlds to help people walk their own hero's journey and ultimately live like as paulo coelho says live their own personal legend so kind of that's 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 the daunting part is building that as well while trying to do all these uh, adventures and training it's uh it's daunting constantly terrifies me i I have struggled with overwhelm from time to time but uh (laughs) but uh but i love it i love the adventure and i love the challenge so that's kind of all the all the things that i have coming in the in the foreseeable future joe just some everyday average stuff you know i kind of got bored just listening to this whole thing so i don't know by the way by the way, Akshay and Joe, just so we can put this out there so it's for posterity, I just played a conversation in my head between you and I. Have you invited me to your Fearvana retreat? 
And and my answer was, oh, hell no. I'm not sitting in a fucking dark for seven days. I'm not sticking my hand in a glove full of, full of bullet ants. I'm not looking for explosives with my feet. I'm not. I, Joe, I'll tell you what. You can go and do some research for the podcast and we'll talk about it after. But right, I, First thing, we're going to step into this cave, which is pitch black, put yeah, these gloves on, and then disarm a bomb. Go. We're going to have very strong liability waivers. Kind of be, not really tell people what we're doing at Fear of Honor retreats. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I would, I would, I would recommend you have a good. We actually know a couple of lawyers um, that can help you out, Sarah and Tiffany. But um, you might want to, you might want to lawyer up for this if you're gonna, you're gonna do some of the stuff. To um, what, what do you think? And and I use workouts for this uh, to put people in a in a position of suffering or pain so they can learn more about themselves. Yeah. But not everyone gets it unless they're with a trainer. Is there anything that you recommend people can do at home? to go through this kind of self-discovery yeah. uh, to challenge himself. Yeah. One thing with like, like you, I think exercise is one of the most profound. I mean, just neurologically, one neuroscientist calls exercise miracle growth for the brain because of what it does to our synaptic connections and our neurons. So exercise is, uh, like we, I think all three of us would agree is the best thing we could do for our mind, body and spirit and to train in that experience of suffering. So that's one thing for sure. Another thing you could do is stillness. Practicing stillness is not easy, like by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, I'm not saying everybody should go into seven, although I do think everybody really should go into seven days of darkness, but I'm not saying that's the only way <laughs> to engage stillness. Like one of my, one of my endurance cyclist friends who's, do, who's done the toughest endurance cyclist, uh, endurance uh, race in the world, the race across America. One of the things he used to do to train for it is he would sit still staring into a wall like a, just a plain wall so no painting obviously no music no tv no stimuli whatsoever and just stare into a wall for 12 hours and then go cycling for 12 hours so like do that is extremely intense the first time i i did this i set a timer for 45 minutes and i thought my foot my watch i thought my timer was broken because it just felt like an eternity you know so engaging stillness at a very deep level stuff will show up like going into the darkness their lady who runs a darkness retreat has told me all kinds of stories about people who go in there and stuff they didn't even like hadn't confronted their entire lives would still show like pop up like severe childhood trauma like deep stuff that we were wrestling with would just kind of show up when you are forced to go still so stillness is another way to confront those uh demons that you've been kind of running away from and again we live in a world that's constantly running away right we do everything to run away from ourselves our phone netflix tv drinking and sometimes even the positive things like working and exercise can be a running a way to run away from ourselves which sort of quick side note i know sorry all over the place but you know you asked like, did i exercise in the darkness so the first two, three days I was exercising the darkness, but then I stopped because I realized that like exercising is a little bit more in my comfort zone. Stillness was not. So I was using exercise to escape the stillness. So I said, I kind of put a rule out myself after day two or day three, that no more exercising and go into the discomfort of the stillness. So, you know, stillness is another one. Another one is uh, like, like a, having conversations with people who are further along than you in whatever area, like conversations like this, listening to podcasts, having conversations that challenge you, because when you do that, that will that will open you up to new insights and new knowledge that you might not have heard. Like ultimately, all of us, we don't know what we don't know. Right. And if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know what the barrier is that's that potentially is holding you back. So when you put yourself in conversations around people who are far, far further than you in 
whatever area, spiritually, physically, financially, in any area, you will gain some insights that will help you figure out what you don't know you don't know. And then you'll find some that, oh, like, oh, I didn't know I, you know, I didn't know I didn't know that. That's an insight. That's an awakening. Cool. Let me go explore that. So uh, that those are some ways you can kind of um, challenge yourself, explore suffering and explore, you know, and then there's all kinds of mini ways, like do little things that scare you. You know, obviously right now we're not going out, but even for example, like going into a bar to talk to somebody can be scary. You know, talk to a woman, talk to a man, like little things to just challenge yourself. And there's so many different things to ultimately whatever makes you uncomfortable uh, uh, to challenge yourself. But like, I think exercise, stillness, uh, pushing yourself with, with in pushing yourself mentally with conversations that challenge you are some great ways to uh, stretch your comfort zone. I, I like it, Joe. I've got I've got two ideas. First of all, hey, Babu, Babu. Do you want to go go in this dark closet all day? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's looking at me Joe, for real, like he's looking at what the hell's going on. Why? <laughs> going to select out. But I, I'm also thinking, Joe, at the next Maximus seminar we have, I think we're going to make people do IWTs of the pitch blackness. I feel yeah. like love it. We're on something, you know. Yeah. Um, we got to take this so to the this, next level. I, I think so, Akshay. This has been an absolutely – hold on here a sec. Let me weasel this kid out here. Hey, dude, you got to – Jax, can you be quiet for one minute while dad finishes his podcast? And then I'll put Ghostbusters on for you. Okay. All right, Joe. Edit that out. He's nuts today. Um, <laughs> this is – and and I am – don't put this on the air – but I am going to lock him in a dark closet. For three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I feel, I, I, I feel it's bullet most, ants. It's the most loving thing you can do, man. <laughs> yeah. I feel bullet ants might be a little excessive for him. Like he's three, but I feel that, I feel that the darkness will be good. We'll raise little baby Bane here. Um, for real though, Akshay, uh, thank you so much for coming on this. This is uh, Joe. If I could, if I could speak freely here, I think yeah. this has been the most, interesting talk we've had on the podcast yeah. not to to disservice any other guests or whatever but your life Akshay is absolutely um incredible and every time I talk to you I, I learn more about you and gain more respect for you so thank, thank you, you for the brother. time and sharing everything it's incredible thank you so much it's really an honor I appreciate you and thank you so much yeah, yeah and where you, where can people where can people find you because my guess is that after this people are going to go look you up and stuff so where can people yeah. get a hold of you, find you, all that stuff? Uh, social media, Instagram is Fearvana. My website is fearvana.com. Uh, the book is Fearvana on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, uh, paperback, and all, like I said, all the profits go to the charity. So uh, any support there is always appreciated. And yeah, at Fearvana, everything, all the social media is Fearvana. Awesome. So you guys, uh, thank you for um, listening to the podcast. Thank you, Akshay, for your time. Appreciate it's you. been incredible. And I do want to put something out there for you. I now realize that you look at me as soft. And <laughs> you look at my, my teaching methods as, as mundane and pedestrian. So I'm, I'm going to get in the lab here. I'm going to come up with some new stuff. And, and you let me know when you're in through Salt Lake City. And I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you. I'm kind of terrified. I'm kind of terrified to come train with you, man. I was speaking to my folks. I was like, when I moved to Salt Lake, I'm a little nervous about going to train with Bobby. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you went to Shambhala in the Himalayas and you, you 
walked across Greenland and, and you you did the well of darkness or the pool of shadows or whatever. But my training scares you, Joe. I now know why people don't come to my gym. <laughs> this is, you know, um, but this has been a blast. Akshay, thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Thank you guys so much for listening to part two of our interview with Akshay Nanavati. Really hope you guys got a lot from that. I know we sure did. I want to remind you that if you love our content, if you love this show and you want to support us, the best way to do that is to head over to the MaximusPodcast.com. Join the Inner Circle. The Inner Circle is your place to mingle with other fans of the show. You'll have access to Bobby and to me. Uh, We provide daily inspirational videos, workout programs, and we've been doing live videos on our Zoom channel. Um, So all of that is available at themaximuspodcast.com. Um, hope to see you there. This year, the-